This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? And you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy com or underdog fantasy in the app store sign up with promo code pitcher list and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 must be 18 year older 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concerned with your play call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org in Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in New York call 1-877-8 Hope and why in Tennessee call 1-800-889-9789. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is August 23rd, and yes, we're going to talk about baseball. Quick point here. I'm going to be in San Francisco for this weekend, and I'm going actually to the San Francisco game on uh, on Friday. I'll be there a little early with Danielle Salinger, which is really exciting. Um, and I'm going with a lot of other fantasy industry people. So if you're going to the Giants game in San Francisco, I would love to see you there. Send me a DM. Um, I'll put it out on, on Twitter as well that I'll be there. But uh, but just reach out via DM on, on Twitter, on Discord, whatever. I would love to meet you guys. I'll be at the stadium early just to kind of walk around too. So if you want to uh, hang out, meet me and other people in the industry, I would love to see you there this Friday night uh, in San Francisco. Also... I'll be in LA after that, so I'm going to go from San Francisco for a wonderful wedding. Uh, congrats to Dave Sherman and uh, and Bree. And on Sunday, I will be flying to LA for a week, uh, and I will be at the Dodgers game on Thursday night. And then we're actually hosting a pitchless meetup at about four o'clock uh, in Pasadena on on Saturday. So I hope to see you guys there, and uh, it's going to be a wonderful time. Enjoy, uh, you know enjoying the weather, I guess, in LA. It's going to be a good time. So hope to see a lot of you. Let me know. There's going to be an official post on the website. If you have any questions about it, you can reach out on Twitter and on Discord, of course, at Pitchless and inside the Pitchless Discord. Uh, but yeah, hope to see a lot of you guys in California. I haven't gone out there in a long time, so it'd be cool to see a lot of you there. All right. Looking forward to uh, yesterday's games. Oh, actually, last point I should be making. I'm putting out everything at night uh, because it's San Francisco, sorry, California time is three hours later. I'm not going to wake up at like 6 a.m. to do this stuff. So that means the podcast, the streamers, and the roundup all in the evening, which is going to be kind of weird because I'm not going to get the same updates that is I get in the morning for guys. Like, for example, Dean Kramer is going today, not Jack Flaherty. I won't have that. So I apologize in advance that it's going to be a little behind as far as uh, the streaming picks go. However, uh, I still think it's going to be helpful for you guys. So uh, thanks again for uh, for helping out with that. No streams after today until Monday, September 4th. I will be doing the list per usual on Mondays, but no streams until then because I will not be in my lovely studio. Okay, enough. We're going to move on. Uh, Harrison of Kyle, <laughs> comma Harrison, Harrison Horde as in Harrison Ford and you've been hoarding him all year. He finally got made his MLB debut yesterday, and honestly, someone in, in playback chat right now just said, hey, people have been calling him a reliever. I kind of see that. 3.1 innings of 200 runs, 5 hits, 1 walk, and 5 Ks. It's an overpowering fastball. He's a slinger from the left side. 
It was 94.5 on that fastball in this MLB debut, which actually I was a little surprised about because that's what he did in the minors. And you kind of see extra velocity in your MLB debut a little bit. Sometimes I would think I was thinking maybe 95, 96 in this one. But no, he didn't really get higher than that. And for someone that I thought would be like 99 or so, like I heard upper digits of 99, maybe even hinting 100 in the preseason this year to see him only sit 94.5 and hit 97, but like not showcase that a lot. Um, yeah, it kind of a little surprising for me. However, that was a four-seamer at 11 over 47 whiffs. The only runs were a two-run shot in the first inning from Harper on a slider that he expected in a 1-0 count. It's not a good breaking ball. I don't also believe in Harrison's command. I think the mechanics are of your typical slinger from the left side who's just kind of chucking a max effort, which means that the uh, the arm and it just kind of it's everything too fast at the end, uh, which generally speaks to inconsistency. It's not as smooth of a delivery. Uh, and because of that, I don't really think Kyle Harrison is the greatest starter. I actually do think he's going to be a reliever, as he mentioned, inside the playback chat. So he would profile out to be an excellent one. The four-seamer is an amazing four-seamer. If he, does, if he locates that in the upper third always, that would just be absolutely dominant all the time. It really would. It's just it's not going to do that. Um, I think actually Eno put out a whole thing about his Stuff Plus and Location Plus, where like Stuff Plus is amazing and Location Plus is terrible, right? And that kind of is your uh, Matt Barash of, yeah, you probably don't want to trust us. So there's a chance he starts next week against the Reds. He's never gone five innings. Hasn't done all year. Minor leagues, it was uh, it was, it was was in the minor leagues, it was 4.1 innings was the max. That was the one before the start. So, yeah, this is not, uh, that's not the guy you really need to be chasing in your leagues. Okay, that was a lot of time on him. I'm going to try and speed through everything else here. Justin Verlander did well against the... Uh, Red Sox, nine strikeouts out of nowhere. All of a sudden, you're in 14 or 15, sorry, 13 whiffs on his four-seamer. Not going to stick around there. Jesus Lazardo did great against the Padres. Shocking to me, considering it was the, the Padres were really good against lefties, but honestly, he didn't pitch that much different than he did against the Astros. The Astros just took advantage of the mistakes that he made. The Padres didn't take as much advantage. Seven over 19, change of whiffs, good four-seamers, but he still had those pitches in the middle of the zone, but they just weren't taken advantage of, right? Uh, the slider was 50% strike rate, which actually isn't the worst thing because I think he's actually made more mistakes over the plate with his slider than with the other pitches. Now, he has a tough schedule out of the way now. No more Padres, no more Astros, no more Rangers. It's the Rays who are worse without Juan Franco and their kind of situation going on there. And you also have the Nationals after that. So I think we're going to see a much better Luzardo the rest of the way now. And this is so, so nice to see because everyone was saying he was cooked. He's done. Didn't think that. But... And, you know, we needed some confirmation of it. Uh, we had Hogan Harris get open four against the uh, Royals, and it was four and runs in 3.10 innings, so no thank you. Zach Galland, ace is going to ace against the Rangers. 11 strikeouts. Curveball was like a 50% strike rate. He really went too low on it, which is better, I think, than going too high on it. You could argue that the strike rate is still good enough if it's too high in the zone than too low out of the zone, not getting enough swings on it. But actually, really low zone rate and still getting 11 strikes showcases that it was a high O swing. Good to see that. The change was okay. It was really just a ton of fastballs in the zone, and the Rangers just couldn't handle it. So, all right. Um, good for him to get through that. Carlos Rodon, great ratio. Six innings, one run, six at zero walks, one strikeout. I was actually had an interesting conversation with Ashton about this, saying that, hey, you have the ratios, the strikeouts will follow. I actually think it's the reverse most of the time. I think you see the strikeouts first, and then the ratios follow. The strikeouts showcase the ceiling to me. I think ratios can be very much of a more luck thing, which I think this was against the Nationals. Rodon's four-seamer was not where it was supposed to be in the upper third. It was over the plate, so he didn't walk anyone. But three whiffs and 18% CSW. Oh, boy. 
Uh, zero for 39 whiffs on the four-seamer is something else. Uh, it sat 95-96, and it hit 97, but I want to see that four-seamer 96 pushing 97. Peak Rodon would go up to a start averaging 97 in a season, right? Ha- hitting 96 consistently, sitting there, 95.5 is sure. That's what he averaged in 2022 across the full year, but that was with some ups and downs. I want to see that one game of just like, yes, there it is. Now, he was on a limited pitch count, 68 pitches, uh, six innings. I'm glad that he got through that, and that's why the low CSW means balls in play, and they found out. So, okay, fine. But I really want that one game of just, here's my fastball, you can't take this, and the slider actually being that good pitch down. So we're not out of the woods yet with Carlos Rodon. Um, I still think that we're going to get there, but yeah. I mean, you could say it was a steal a little too, so okay. Josiah Gray was on the other side of it. I should have given more credit because the Yankees are just such a bad offense. And you're going to see that actually today. I'm changing uh, my my uh, one of my streaming ranks because of that into a different tier. Josiah Gray, though, is not good. Five walks. Sub-35% strike rate on a curveball. That is insane. Over 23 thrown. I mean, come on. This is not a guy that you really should be trusting. But we're going to talk about this a lot. Is Next week is the last version of the official list as you know it. And then after that, it's going to be the schedule-focused list. So that's uh, that's going to happen in two weeks. I need to do it when I'm home. I maybe considered doing it last uh, next week, but I'm going to be in L.A., and it's going to be such a hassle to do that on my laptop as opposed to having my studio here in Brooklyn. So you're going to have to wait one more week for that one. Uh, we have a lot of other guys to talk about, including Lucas Giolito having a golden goal. Uh, and we're going to talk about all that after this break. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? And you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy com or underdog fantasy in the app store sign up with promo code pitcher list and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 must be 18 year older 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concerned with your play call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org in Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in New York call 1-877-8 Hope and why in Tennessee call 1-800-889-9789. Lucas Giolito, golden goal, 22 whiffs, 41% CSW. His changeup went 14 for 42 whiffs. We saw nine strikeouts, six innings, one earned runs, uh, five hits, two walks, and one earned run. I'm so sorry. Against the Reds, it was great. We saw him actually hint at this like 94.8 on the fastball before, and now it's a 93.8. That's fine. I'll take 94 all day with the best changeup we've seen in ages. Oh my gosh. Please just be this. It's a little late for the Angels, but I don't care. Giolito, you realize that it's a contract year and you have to wake up. So you're doing it now. That's great. Uh, Bryce Elder against the Mets. Got the win as 5.1 innings, one to run two. It's three walks, three keys. Yep, you're a Toby and that's good. And now you get, oh dear, uh, Coors and the Dodgers. Okay, so we let him go. Bring him back later on in September. Elder is like, everyone hates Elder now. So you can move on from this and you can probably pick him up when the matchups are better. Really, be more aggressive when it comes to matchups now that you only have five, six weeks left, right? Uh, matchups are a huge, huge deal, especially with that back half of your rotation. And you'll see in September, even the quote-unquote studs 
are going to have some bad matchups the last two, three weeks. And you're going to want to move on from some of them that you've trusted all year. It's one of the hardest things that we do. It's maybe sometimes it's too big brain. Um, it's going to be some tough decisions. We'll talk about that probably in a week or two. Uh, for those that want more specific, tailored advice for your teams, you have to be coming to the stream in the morning. It's my office hours, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm going to try as much as I can to try and peek in somehow during this thing. I'm not going to guarantee any streams when I'm in uh, California. If not, at the very least, you should be getting PL+. Plus. We actually, I'm gonna, I'll put it here on the podcast. If you are thinking, you know what, I need to get into PL+, Plus to get this advice, it is the cheapest it's ever been right now. Use promo code CHA-CHA-CHA, all caps, C-H-A-C-H-A-C-H-A, in honor of Alex Fass, of course, this incredible job as a director of content at MLB. You get $40 off PL Plus yearly. So instead of $96, it's down to $56 for an entire year. It will last through August of next season if you get it now. Uh, so join our Discord, $56. It's the cheapest it's ever been. That's what, $5 a month? It's cheaper than Peel Basic for the entire year. Uh, and this could be the difference of you winning your fantasy league to get that advice inside of our Discord. Uh, Yohan Aviedo against the Cardinals uh, got the win. Five innings, one run, four hit, one walk, five case. He's a cherry bomb. Glad you got it. Four seam were still bad. Slider's good enough. Um, yeah, I just don't want to roll with this constantly. And Brian Wu came back from the IL. Four innings, one run, three hits, one walk, and three strikeouts. Just 65 pitches as we expected. That's why it was still ill. We didn't really expect him to go long after not pitching a rehab start between him having that forearm problem. I, I'm still weirded out the fact that he had like a forearm pain and he's okay, I guess. I don't know. Um, I think the manners are like, are you okay? You're fine. All right, we need to make the playoffs. <laughs> Uh, especially with Emerson Hancock getting hurt and being done. And they also signed Luke Weaver, which I actually wouldn't be surprised if became like a piggyback at times with Brian Wu. Just something to think about. Uh, so with Brian Wu, I think you're okay. Not the best four-seamers and sinkers moving forward, but we might see him kind of limited. Keep that in mind. I'm very curious what the next start is, and I might judge the next month based on that start, not this one. Bailey Ober went five innings, not six, so it wasn't really the Bailey special, but it was fine. It was, it was fine, and we just keep going with him. Much better not to have change-ups and sliders down the middle of the plate. Thank you very much. Tom and Walker returned against the Giants, and it was okay. I mean, yes, yeah, seven strikeouts. Don't get me wrong. Five innings, two and runs, six hits, two walks. The uh, the ratios aren't there. Sinker was 91.7. The four-seamer was 93, but it was only 10 thrown. Why I say that is because it was 90.5 and 91 on uh, on those pitches in his last outing, which was two weeks ago, and the Phillies rested him. I'm still a little weirded out. I think the velocity is going to be lower in the next one. This is him on rest, and now he's not going to get that again. I feel like, yeah, this was against the Giants. You should probably avoid Tywin Walker. Graham Ashcraft is now killing it. Like, if I did the list today, I'd be moving him up because seven innings, 300 runs, five hits, two walks, 10 strikeouts. Oh, look, I know the Angels are really bad right now. They're in the bottom tier of my streaming, so that's good. Like, you want to stream against them? The cutter was really well commanded, and he's going upstairs with it for called strikes, Cannibal McSanchez, and then actually going down with it, and he earned whiffs on it, and then his slider's still really good, and guess what? The sinker actually is going arm side right in, to right handers, which is what it should be doing. Should have been doing this like a year and a half ago. So this might be actually me believing in Ashcraft. Uh, it's been a Vargas rule for a bit. This is the best one of the Vargas rule. So we just keep going. Let's see what happens. Uh, Noah Syndergaard against the Dodgers got a poor quality start because what is... Oh my gosh, okay. What? No, I can't. I'm not. No. Grayson Rodriguez against the Jays. Um, I think I was 
I, I graded the changeup worse than it was. PLV loved it because the changeup floated into the top of the zone, kind of like old Lucas Giolito for a lot of good strikes. There were ones in the middle that were bad, and they were punished by the Jays. That's why it was six innings, 300 runs, eight hits, two walks, five Ks. His breaking balls were not down enough. They were kind of scattered. He only threw 12 of them, and I want them to be a bigger deal, but also, yeah, they weren't that good. And his four-seamer leaked a little bit down more than we want. This wasn't as good. Of like all the starts I've seen of Grayson Rodriguez, I feel like this was one of the worst ones because the pitch separation wasn't there. That said, I still think the changeups were really, really good. Um, I thought they were worse last night. I took a better look at it this morning. They were still really, really good and effective. Uh, so we still feel good about Grayson Rodriguez. It's just not as good as far as like overall locations. Make sense? Okay. Blake Snell, it's funny. Blake Snell makes, I think, the fewest mistake pitches of anyone else in the majors, which is kind of wild. I'll have more to say about that. Like, where's the data for that? Like, don't worry, that's coming. Really fun stuff that we're working on with that. I'm just going to loosely say that. Uh, but uh, what? how do you define that? Yeah, there's a lot of, like, black box stuff that we, you know, there's more to it than what I just said. But he kind of threw more mistakes yesterday. So... Uh, six innings, 300 runs, six hits, two walks, and eight strikeouts. 22 whiffs, though. 31% CSW. Like, he's still an ace to me. It is really wild how hard it is to hit Blake Snell's stuff. The Marlins ran into some things, so it goes. Um, he just got singled out for the most part here. Uh, Wade Miley against the Twins. Uh, five innings pitch, 300 runs, five hits, one walk, and four strikeouts. He's a Toby. And, uh, generally with a Toby, like, your plus or minus one run or base runner from, like, being good. Or not. 300 runs versus two. Five hits versus four. And there you go. That's a one whip in like a 360 ERA. Like that's just kind of how the world works. And realize how much we judge pitchers based on one earned run or just one hit at a certain time. I'm not even kidding. This is a five innings, 300 runs, which is a 5.2 ERA with a 120 whip. However, if there's one fewer hit that does not score a run, that becomes a 360 ERA with a one whip and you love it. Isn't that, is that wild? Understand that. This is why I focus so much more on the arsenal itself and how they use it and what that means as opposed to the actual lines. Okay. Tanner Houck against the Astros. Five innings, 300 runs for its three walks, two Ks. Yeah, this is not enough. He's not really doing enough with a slider. And without that killing it, I can't really get on board with it. It's the Astros, but then he also gets the Dodgers. So just kind of wait until after this terrible schedule and see what is going on there. Yusei Kikuchi against the Orioles, 4.2 innings, 300 runs, 7 hits, 1 walk, and 6 Ks. This was the worst start we've seen from Kikuchi in a long time, and everything was still really good. Yeah, I have no complaints about what he did um, from an ability standpoint. Just that happens. Tyler McGill, actually, was as good as I've ever seen him this year. Not ever. Since he was Ty Lord McGill. Be like, Nick, it was 4.2 innings, 300 runs, 8 hits, 2 walks, 5 Ks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was against Atlanta. So that's actually kind of good against Atlanta, right? I want to give him a gold star just for that. But his four-seam was sitting 96, which we've seen once before. But all of a sudden, he's got this new slider. It's not 94.5, by the way. It's 96. That's what Tyler McGill was. And we saw like once or twice this year, but there was nothing else but the new slider. Eight for 31 whiffs. <sighs> ooh, 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 man. Oh, man. He has to face the Rangers next. Ah. Okay, Tyler, still have those skills. If you do... I'm going to do the roundup on you, and it's going to be the most fun September. And I'll be wearing that Tyler McGill shirt, which you can buy in the Pitchless store all day long. Ty Block against the Rays. Four, point, four innings, 300 runs, seven hits, three walks, and four Ks. Yeah, sorry. I mean, he's done actual good pitch separation before. 
And maybe he becomes a worthy stream in San Francisco in three starts. I will not be there. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that's not it. Um, Bobby Miller against the Guardians. Disappointing. Because so of 6.1 innings of 400 runs, 6 hits, 1 walk, and 5 Ks. However, what's the thing I've been talking about with Bobby Miller? I mean, the way the reason I like him so much is I see a world where Bobby Miller has 100 mile per hour fastballs that are actually around the edges and get outs a la like Zach Wheeler and uh, Sandy Alcantara with hopefully potential to get whiffs in the future. But two to three secondary pitches, that is a curveball, slider, and changeup, that all have legitimate potential to do what they're supposed to do. If the curveball lands for called strikes, or just really just gets lots of strikes, it's a really hard pitch to hit. If the slider can be a strike pitch and a whiff pitch, which I think it does have the legitimate potential to be. I mean, I think honestly, like PLV-wise or stuff plus-wise, the slider is like, oh. And then the changeup, as long as he gets strikes with it and is confident throwing it in two O counts, which I saw in his debut, to get outs, then there you go. That's it. You're done. Bobby Miller in this one, 21 over 23 strikes on the curveball. He got 20 whiffs in the start, 35% CSW. The hook was so, so good. Now the slider needs to be a little bit better. The changeup needs to be a little bit better. Um, you're really just like, he had a hung slider here that was crushed. And then a couple bad fastballs that were just over the plate. And that's really it. Like two curveballs allowed hits, fine. But they were like really good ones at the bottom of the zone. Yeah, I think Bobby Miller is like, you know, I saw a, um, I, I know I'm just going to ramble a little bit on this podcast today. Um, I saw a, um, the 2024 early meatball draft. I love this. Huge props to Rob Petriello, uh, Rob Petriello, oh my gosh. Um, uh, Rob, uh, of, uh, of, of Pole Hitter Podcast. Um, the Petri- Petriello, I'm so sorry for like stalling that long for that. Um, I just kept, kept laughing that it's Rob Petriello. Now, Rob DiPietro of the Pull Hitter Podcast. There you go. I'm giving you proper credit. You deserve it. You do so much good work for this community. I uh, is doing an early mock draft of 15 teamer for next year. And of course, all I wanted to see was where is everybody ranking the starting pitchers? What I actually really liked to see, which really made me smile, was that the top four pitchers were Strider, Cole, Gosman, Castillo. And maybe Gosman and Castillo, I have flipped in the list. But, like, that's the definitive tier of the first two rounds. I'm like, yes, that is my list tier. That is it. Independent of everybody else, that's what it is. Why I'm bringing this up right now is because I was fascinated, actually kind of blown away at the love for a lot of young pitchers. I keep saying this, like, oh, man, I'm so excited about all these young pitchers with their sophomore seasons coming. And I am so curious to see which ones get embraced by the fantasy community, which don't. Because I think there are so many that can really soar next year, but they are risk and reward guys. There is no guarantee that the development happens next year. This is going to be the struggle for us because like you see last year, it was like Nick Lodolo, Hunter Green. Sure, they both got hurt, but they both showed signs before their injury of not quite putting it together yet right? Now, there's also the George Kirby. There's the the Logan Gilbert. Also, George Kirby was super high in this one, which I understand because, like, really good four-seamer if that slider does come together. I get it, but also he hasn't quite gotten, done it yet, you know? Man, it's... And, like, Max Free was really pushed down. And I'm like, no. Max Free should be way up. Same with Huey Urias, right? There's a lot of this stuff that I'm just so curious about how it's going to be different um, from mock drafts. We're going to do our mock draft in October. Cannot wait for that one. Um, I think I'm more excited to talking about 2024 now than I have been in the past. 
uh, because I think there's just so many intriguing rankings that you can do. Where does Cole Reagans go? I don't know. I don't know. I think everyone's going to be yelling at me about Cole Reagans, about like how the last month is going to go. We'll see. I uh, I think right now I'm going to have him in like the 60s. as That's where I am mentally at the moment. So I uh, we'll talk about this more later on. But Bobby Miller is someone I'm very intrigued in. But I do recognize I don't know how good the curve and slider are going to be. That's still a black box to me. And I don't think that we should be putting him in like the top 20 necessarily ahead of like a Max Freed. Because Bobby Miller is like not finished yet. And you're paying for him to be finished. Right? Max Freed is finished. He's great. He's fantastic. Do not undervalue that. Okay. Because I, I think really looking at the, the rankings this year. I, I, I know you're getting bonus, bonus Nick Pollock here. Uh, looking at the rankings this year in retrospect and everything, the coolest, well, the most interesting takeaway for me is that starters outside the top 50, there are like three or four. I've talked about this a couple of times. Only like three or four that really, that you would have drafted that panned out, right? And the true value of drafts this year was hitting on the guys between 20 and 40 and also having your aces that you drafted actually not get hurt, essentially. Right, so getting your Luis Castillo, getting your Kevin Gosman, uh, your Corbin—I mean, Corbin's still good, but like not the same. Zach Wheeler, for example, uh, you know stuff like that, and really nailing like Joe Ryan for the while, Pablo Lopez nailing that one, uh, and and George Kirby. Um, you could arguably say Logan Gilbert, even though that's been weird, but you understand what I'm getting at, kind of with that for this season, and then. Honestly, it was jumping on all of the exciting things of the young pitchers. Kind of funny too. In retrospect, uh, August, April, and and May had so many aggressive uh, NFBC, and uh, I remember a lot of discussion about like these massive fab bids for young pitchers. Like Taj Bradley was in there. I uh, Taj. I'm th- trying to think of all of them off the top of my head. But, like Gavin Williams was in there, and Tanner Bybee, and. Bobby Miller, but there's some Gavin Stone, Gavin Stone we didn't like, right? What I'm getting at is there were so many guys that really did show up who, uh, and Zach Gowan's also one of the aces that, you know, aces of dubs that panned out, um, that really, those are the ones that really crafted your team, and then finding those rocks on the on the waiver wire through the, like, getting in on Mitch Keller, which I was late on, but then, of course, didn't pan out. I'm going to have a whole retrospective at the end of the year, of course, but uh, all I'm getting at is... Do not undervalue guys like Max Freed next year because those are the ones that really, I think you're going to see in the, the winning teams. Yes, it's going to be a mix of the guys that you drafted that were actual true rocks through the year as opposed to uh, as opposed to hitting after SP50. Does that make sense? There's going to be a bigger, I think I'm going to put even a larger emphasis of like, I am just only chasing things from like round 7 to 12 in pitchers. Like, I feel like I need to get as many of that as possible this year because that's going to make or break my team and not relying on the 15th round and later to fill out my rotation. Instead, I'm likely going to be in my 12-teamers hitting as many pitches as I can and then in-season trading for hitters. That's what I did this year, and I don't regret this in the slightest um, for that strategy for myself. Uh, but, you know, that that's, might be what I'm going to go for. Okay, I got to continue this podcast. Sorry for the tangent. And Zach Littell did not pan out against the Rockies. Very disappointing. I'm still going to go for it. I think he got singled out. I think he actually pitched really well against the Yankees next. I'm going to go for it. 
Uh, Mike Clevenger did not pan out against the Mariners. Yeah, the slider enforcing ain't that good. Still, it's the Athletics next, so if you want from the two-step, yeah, stick around for that one. It's fine. John Gray pitched really well, I think, actually. I uh, I think this is really good. Four innings, four and run, seven hits, three walks, five Ks. I know, not good, but I think you go for it with the Mets, Twins, and Athletics next. Do not drop John Gray. And Hell Zerpa against the Athletics went three innings for Zach Cranky after. I should have tagged Zach Cranky in the in the roundup. I didn't because I'm a dingus. But uh, yeah, he did great. Four innings and five Ks. But why is he getting open for? Stop this. Don't do that. It's Zach Cranky. I mean, sure, maybe you want to give him an extra win, I guess, a chance of that. But like, no. Don't. Do, let let Zach Cranky start. Okay, cool. Adam Wainwright, you're not getting your wins. You know, he's trying to get two more wins. He's at 198, and he just, oh, he can't get it. 600 runs and 4.2 innings. Come on, man, just twice. You get, like, seven starts left or something. Come on, you can do it. Uh, Reese Olsen against the Cubs, 4.2 innings of 600 runs, four hits. Look, maybe the Cardinals should, like, say four innings of, like, winning a lot. Just put in Adam Wainwright for one inning or something, please. Uh, he's not going to accept that. Uh, Reese Olsen did not come through. I think he's a young gun for next year. He's an interesting flyer at the end of next year if the changeup and the fastballs get better. But, yeah, he's, uh, he's just too scary. And Drew Smiley against the Tigers. I know, but the Tigers, but no, not going to work out. And just do not touch Drew Smiley moving forward. Kevin Galsman, Otani, uh, Kershaw, Burns, Kirby, Maeda, Scooble, Alcantara, all in that top tier. I think you're going to start all of them. That's cool. It's Cole Reagan's day. I'm so excited. He gets the athletics. We're just, oh, man. Uh, I want to do a watch party on, on playback, but I can't really do it. I have no time. So uh, I might just have playback run and if you want to watch this with the community and in chat just like go to playback.tv slash pitchless for this game you'll all be watching it together uh it's one of the coolest things about playback is that we can just watch the game as a community like all there no one needs to be on stage for hosting it you guys can just talk in chat and watch it with friends like how cool is that we're gonna do it today uh probably start here is andrew abbott um against the angels cole regan's against the athletics seth lugo jose okiti and Aaron Savalier, old Toby is here. If Charlie Morton against the Mets, I think you just do it because of the win chance and strikeouts, even though the ratios are a risk. And Lorenzen is still good enough to go against the Giants. Reed Detmers against the Reds. Chris Sale, lower velocity last time out against the Astros. Very scary. James Antione against the Tigers is fine. Ugh. Dean Kramer is going not Jack Flaherty today. We don't know who's going tomorrow for the Orioles because of that. Flaherty got scratched. Um, we think it's an injury. We don't know. Against the Jays. So, Kramer, I don't know. Not, not that fun. Good good cutters, but forcing, I don't know. Against the Jays. Zach Thompson's going today instead of Matthew Liebertor as a back injury. I kind of like this one, but he's only got like five innings. We don't really know what he's capable of. I think Tyone is a better innings thing. Same with Kramer. Obviously, we know the upside of Sale and, of course, with Detmer. So, Zach Thompson's at the fifth here. Decent streaming option there. Um, if you don't want to go with Cole Reagans, I don't know why you don't want to do that. Um, and then you have uh, Mackenzie Gore against the Yankees. I upgraded from do not start to questionable start because I was not baking in how bad the Yankees are right now as he faces the Yankees. But then again, like Mackenzie Gore is a cherry bomb. So whatever. I do not start to use Jose Quintana against Atlanta. If you want to take a chance, go ahead. The Atlanta has been a little bit worse since last week's barrage. But still, man, Quintana against the against Atlanta is just too tough. He gets another bad start after this. I can never remember if it's like the Rangers or if it's uh, the Padres as a lefty or if it's the Dodgers. It's just really bad next time. I don't want to start him there either. So I understand if you want to drop Jose Quintana. Like, you can probably get him back when he gets the easier schedule after. Severino could be good against the Nationals. We are absolutely not going to start him until he actually has a good outing. He did go harder on the fastball last time and an improved cutter. Actually, like, leaned more in the cutter instead of the slider and change up. So maybe that's the ticket. Uh, you have Alex Cobb against the Phillies. I just, he hasn't had a splitter in ages. Austin Gomber, Zeman Curry, Michael Kopech, Luis L. Ortiz, 
Uh, Adrian Martinez and Brent Kennedy. All of these are just no, don't do them. Curry gets the Dodgers, okay? Don't do that. Um, you also have tomorrow, and that's Tyler Glasnow, Garrett Cole, and Pablo Lopez in the top tier. Pablo Lopez gets the Rangers, which is, oh, man, but no, it's Pablo Lopez. You're an ace. You're doing this. Uh, we're going to go with uh, Garrett Cole underneath Glasnow because Cole's been a little strange, and Glasnow gets Rocky Road. I mean, come on. Uh, probable start tier is Justin Steele, Merrill Kelly, JP France, all as your Tobies, really, and, and uh, Jose Barrios. Against, like, just like you throw them against these weak opponents. I mean, Barrios is against the Orioles, but it is he is opponent agnostic. Steele's a little strange with his command, but Kelly did struggle last time, and JP France isn't as good as those other two. So, okay. Now, the questionable start tier, well, this is truly questionable, right? These are guys that I really are not going to go for, and it gets really tough, and I... I talked about, of course, the do not start tier and the questionable start tier being a little bit different, being more aggressive in my questionable start. So let's get to that. Brandon Williamson is a stream pick of the day. I feel like he's doing a good thing with his changeup and he's has increased velocity in the four-seamer and the four-seamer and cutter against a mediocre Arizona team. I think that is your safest play here. Andrew Heaney off of being fine-ish. I mean, just being Andrew Heaney as a cherry bomb against the Twins, that could work out. Now it gets kind of risky with Gavin Williams and Brian Bayo. Gavin Williams gets the Dodgers and Bayo gets the Astros, but those could work out still. So up to you how you want to order those four. Uh, I, I have us a Williamson first. I feel like that's just kind of the overall safest play. Now, the bottom four are more contentious. And I think they are still interesting streaming options. So I have them now in questionable start as opposed to just flat out don't do this. So Ryan Papillo looks like he's going for the Dodgers. I think he pitched really well in his relief appearance over the weekend. An extended one. And I was actually thinking that he might be starting here with Emmett Sheehan. Probably not coming back. And you have the injury of Tony Gonsolin. So he gets the Guardians. He had a change up for strikes and he has a slider that is kind of interesting now. That could work out. It is the Guardians though who don't strike out but their offense is just kind of whatever. Jesse Schultens did the Blake Snell blueprint and really good pitch separation. Not really the blueprint, but just good pitch separation in cores. He had five walks, but it wasn't wild. It was just a little bit too far out of the zone. I think it can work out against the Athletics. Very sneaky there. Ken Waldachuk just got seven strikeouts and now gets the, the White Sox who will feed or feed in his strikeout ability with those pitches out of the zone. If Waldachuk had, throws enough strikes, essentially and competitive sliders, this will be a strikeout game against the White Sox. Then you have Patrick Corbin against the Yankees. Patrick Corbin just had his best Blake Snell blueprint uh, we've ever seen from him. Remember, since like 2019, sliders were a little bit down, fastballs were up, he dominated with it. He had a really good starter of the weekend, and now it's the Yankees who aren't very good. There actually is a decent chance for this, and it's six innings, right? He can go six innings, 90 plus pitches, so there is that ceiling there that wasn't really present before, but the floor is really bad, so like... I recognize that there is a chance this works, and that's why he's here. Peter Lambert against the Rays, absolutely not. I just don't want to do that. I know there is an outside one, but no, it's not the one you want to go for. Andrew Jackson against the Cubs, no, and we don't know who the Orioles are going for. So those are your three do not starts. Lambert, Jackson, whoever the Orioles are doing. It could be interesting with the Orioles. Maybe there is someone that is a surprise or something like that. But I don't want to do any of that. All right, that is it for today. Thank you all so much for uh, for the support. Uh, I'm off to San Francisco. You're going to hear this actually late at night tonight, which is actually kind of interesting, uh, around the time of the First Pitch Podcast. And I'm sure a lot of you will enjoy that. I'm not going to be able to do that consistently lightly. I also really like doing this in the stream in the morning. So I'm usually going to be too tired. It's going to be very strange in the next 10 days of how I'm going to do this. But anyway, that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock, and may your babs be low and your strikeouts high.